is the Under Center Podcast. And you welcome back to the Under Center Podcast. Dara here with Jake and Fionn, and I'm delighted to uh, be joined by our first guest this evening. He is, of course, with Sports Illustrate and one of the hosts of the MMQB Podcast. It's Connor Orr. Connor, it's great to speak to you. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys? Very excited. Yeah, very excited. excited. The Super Bowl is finally here. Sunday. Let's, yeah, it's uh, it's the end of a long season. This is going to be a good game. This is probably schematically like the second or third best matchup that I could have asked for, but it's not mm. bad. And mm. so um, I hope that the time between now and then gives us two healthy quarterbacks because I would like to see everybody at 100%. I was saying it's probably the most boring matchup that we could have got. <laughs> now, very good football, I'm sure. But in terms of storylines, the two one seeds squaring off, I, I felt it was a little bit the most boring matchup we could have had out of the playoffs. And from a writer's perspective, it's like, okay, Andy Reid used to coach the Eagles. We get it. You know, Travis and Jason Kelsey are brothers. We get it. You know, there's, you know, some cute stuff for sure. But, you know, I, I'm more interested in like, I mean, my favorite Super Bowl I think that I covered live was Rams Patriots. We had Bill Belichick and Sean McVay, and it's like here's something that we've never seen before, and we're going to see a coach who cover a team or play defense against a team that's just going to completely ruin that scheme forever, and you know, force Sean McVay to do so much adjusting, and you know, that's the kind of Super Bowl I like. I don't know if I'm going to get that this time. I think it might be a little bit of a shootout, but it'll be fun. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be nonstop. You mentioned. You mentioned it was got your second or third favorite matchup. What would be your ideal setup here for the Super Bowl if you had to pick? I wanted, I wanted, um, I wanted Bengals 49ers. Um, just because uh, with like a full steam Brock Purdy, I, I just thought that team was so good. And to have them lose the way that they did was a little bit disappointing. I was at that game and, you know, I don't know. It was seven, it was seven, nothing for a long time. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's kept him in that game and I just thought they deserved another shot, you know, and but when you have two quarterbacks go down and give Christian McCaffrey throwing passes, there's not a whole lot. You can do, you know? <laughs> it was, it was sort of the end of the uh, playbook sort of looking through their trick plays saying, can we do this? And what can we do by the end of that game? Definitely for, for, uh, uh, for the 49ers for sure. But, I need to ask you before we start, actually, um, have you um, ever had the chance to come over to Ireland before? No, it's on my, well, it's on my bucket list. So I've, uh, I'm, we did our like 23 and me. I'm, I'm only Irish, so I should go <laughs> over there at some point, you know, uh, so I'm all, uh, I'm, I'm all good guy, but uh, yeah, no, my wife's Italian. And so we thought maybe for like our 10 year, we would do a couple days where she's from a couple days where I'm from. And, uh, and and check it out but i want i want to go over there where where do, where should i go that's the good question like you, you start know. off in dublin and then you hit the west coast that's your okay. ideal kind of yeah uh, okay. first point is on the under center podcast yes <laughs> is it true that everyone pees on the Blarney stone no they kiss it <laughs> so i hope they don't pee on it <laughs> well, well when i was my someone in my family was planning a trip and she said you can't kiss it because everyone pees on it it's like a to, to, to trick all the tourists that's like well, something that someone told me the other day. 
It's not the locals good. pissing it's on it. It's pretty high up in the air. Like, it'd be a pretty good trick now if you were able to pee up onto it, I'd have to say. Unless unless your man who looks after, there's a guy who kind of holds your legs as everyone dangles over. So maybe when the maybe when it's a few quiet days, maybe, yeah, you get stuck up there with a can of Guinness and there's nowhere okay. else to go, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Good, good, good. All right. I'm coming then. I'm in. <laughs> Definitely. And that is... When Jake says you start in Dublin, work your way to the West, that means you have to work your way through any pub you find as well <laughs> in the West. Because progressively, if you like only look for sort of the old men pubs, because that's where you're going to get the best Guinness. Because if you see, you could walk into a pub and you see a line of older guys sitting at the bar, all drinking Guinness, you know that the Guinness is going to be good in there because they won't accept a bad point. See, I, I've heard that, <laughs> I heard that, I heard that it's just unbel- like it's it's like something you've never tasted before, you know. And I'm I considered myself for a long time a pretty good Guinness drinker, but again, I've never had it over there. I've had it in London, but I've never had it in, in Ireland. So it doesn't compare. It doesn't yeah. compare. As an yeah. avid Guinness drinker myself, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But uh, let's let's talk some football though, because um, before we get into the game. Um, I, I was actually reading your um, article on Sean Payton because he's obviously about to become the Broncos' new head coach. Um, and you mentioned, without giving the whole article away, you mentioned a few interesting things and some of the uh, issues he's going to have to deal with, obviously including Russell Wilson and the contract, you know, the DC. Um, I always get this name wrong, a hero, Evero. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, of course, the idea of maybe bringing, if, if Evero leaves, big Fangio in as well but um one thing that that interests me you, you were comparing his the end of his tenure with the Saints to him coming into to the Broncos and and sort of being in a similar situation and you know some of the talk when Peyton left the Saints was that he wasn't interested in doing a rebuild with the team but it looks like he would have to do something similar to that now with the Broncos so what do you feel is changing his mind and other than the obvious, the paycheck, why do you think he's he's interested in taking on the, the Broncos rebuild? I kind of just think he got too far down the road uh, in this process and didn't want to lose out on a job. And I think he just kind of took one. Uh, and to me, you know, like we like you just mentioned, you know, if Russell Wilson is not the player that he once was, you got to move on from him before the end of that contract. And if you move on from him before the end of that contract, creates a lot of salary cap complications, a lot of dead money, um, you know, worse than Jared Goff left with the Rams or Carson Wentz left with the Eagles. And you can manipulate that to some degree, but you know, if they moved on from Russell Wilson, say after this at like post June one, their salary cap is going to be just as bad, if not worse than the saints. Um, and you're going to have no draft capital because you had to trade for Sean Payton and you had to trade two picks for two first for Russell Wilson. So, I mean, it seems like a big rebuild to me. And again, you know, maybe you get to hold on to um, to Ejiro, um for a little bit because he is still under contract with the Broncos and you're not going to let him go because he's super talented. But if he somehow gets away, um, I think that defense is in for a huge regression because I think Ejiro is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. And so you're looking at maybe generously like an eight, eight or nine win team. And is that why you came out of retirement and left the Saints, which was an eight, eight or nine win team anyway? And Connor, on your side, we see other teams obviously are looking for head coaches at the moment. I'm, I know the Colts are one of those teams, and they're going through a pretty 
exhaustive interview process with I think they they just recently announced they had seven or nine candidates are still are still going for their head coaching position. On the Broncos side of things, do you think this was a signing based on the mystique or the record of Sean Payton more than maybe a plan that he pitched to ownership that they were impressed by? I think that Sean was not their first choice. I mm. think I think they wanted D'Amico Ryans, uh, who just got hired by the Texans. And I think, um, you know, once D'Amico signed with Houston, I think it was between Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. And I think, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is obviously committed at Michigan. And I don't know if he wants to jump back to the NFL. I think he does. But I think Jim has a chance to wait for the right opportunity. And uh, so that left them kind of at the end of the game of musical chairs. And and Sean ended up being the guy that, that they called. But, um, you know, I... I I can't imagine you setting out for that process and wanting to trade draft capital, wanting to spend $20 million a year on a head coach when you could get an entire coach's first contract for $20 million. You know, um, D'Amico Ryans will cost $20 million over his first four years, you know? Mm. And so, you know, there's a lot to like about that. And so I think Sean Payton is probably not something they wanted to do, but I think, you know, at some point you have to, to grab onto something if the boat's sinking. Mm. Connor, you just mentioned there, D'Amico Ryan, he got six years total in Texas. Now, I don't know how head coaches' salaries and contracts work, but I think we all know the history of that Texans franchise. If he doesn't turn it around in year one, they will easily cut ties with him. Are, <laughs> are the numbers on coaches' contracts just kind of made up? Yeah, we'll, we'll give you six years because if you work out well, we want you locked in. But in reality, none of that money is guaranteed and they'll just heave them out the door if they have to. No, that's what's interesting about coaching contracts, right? They're totally the opposite of player contracts where, you know, if D'Amico Ryans gets fired, they have to pay him uh, throughout the remainder of that contract. And now what they do have is what's called offset language. And so if D'Amico gets fired after a year, let's say in Houston, and then goes back to the 49ers to be the defensive coordinator, the Texans owe him the difference between his head coaching salary and what the 49ers would pay him. But uh, yeah, no, it's... uh they're locked in and and i mean D'Amico is a hot name so i think what he was able to do is command those extra years typical coaching contracts are about four years for about four to five million dollars a year uh for first time guys and i'm I'm sure D'Amico got six and probably a little bit more than four to five million too there's no wonder cliff kingsbury booked that one-way ticket to thailand he's getting paid up for a long time there now there as long as you want <laughs> um moving on then to to the game on sunday um i also got a chance to read your early predictions for the super bowl and there was some interesting takes in it um obviously the tom brady one obviously aged poorly because obviously tom didn't know he was going to retire before not yet voted. we don't know that he <laughs> said this before he said this we've been here but um you mentioned as well about um the officials um, and how you think that nothing will be said about the, the issues that they've had this year. And of course we all know about the, the question marks, questionable calls made in, in the two championship games last week. Um, Carl Sheffers is of course going to be the, the lead referee for this game. And he actually ranks what, uh, first in their total penalties per game with around 12 and a half, 13 penalties um, this season. And he was, he was actually top last season as well. The last thing I'm sure the NFL need at the moment is a game to be dominated, especially the Super Bowl to be dominated by the officials. 
and especially with last season with the the questionable calls i i think of like the the phantom pi call on i think it was logan wilson towards the end of the game um the no call on jalen ramsey with the face mask for the long touchdown to start of the third quarter so do you think maybe roger goodell is in the ear, ear scene maybe lads let's let this game go on a little longer let's not make you the center of attention this year I think a lot of officials tend to sh- shrink in big games. I think that's been historically accurate, regardless of what their scores have been during the season, because there is a legitimate fear, right? I mean, who wants the Super Bowl to be about them and you're not on either one of the teams, right? And I think that there is, we see a lot of whistles, you know, call it whistle swallowing, right? You know, at this point during the year, and you just kind of pretend it doesn't exist. And, it's tough because teams have all this intel on these refs and they prepare for these referees. And then if all of a sudden they decide to get really conservative, that changes the specter of, you know, what you're trying to do and your game plan. I remember the Bengals were, you know, hoping that it would be kind of more of a physical game. So their receivers could kind of beat people up at the line and win. And that ended up being the case that allowed them to come back and and kind of score with the Rams for a little while in that game. So it's all up in the air, but, you know, I, I'd say this is one of the worst postseasons for officiating I can remember on in, in recent times. And so the hope is, I mean, I would prefer they swallowed the whistle than they did, right? I mean, the last thing we want to do is see 35 penalties called in, uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But then also on the other side of things, it is sort of down to, it is their still responsibility. If they do see the foul, that they are still going to have to call it. Because the last thing also that they want is non-calls to be, Taking up um, the all the 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 space on the back pages of the papers the next day, and you know that it's 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 that balance that they try and strike out is so difficult, and and that's what they always say: wearing the, the black and white stripes is is a no win situation for them. It really is, um, but I think the NFL hangs them out to dry, right? Because we could always do sky judge. You know, we could always have. Um, you know, and, and maybe it makes the game 10 or 15 minutes longer, but I don't mind. I mean, the Alliance of American football did it in the States. Uh, I thought it was really successful during their trial run where, you know, you have that camera, you have those drone cameras up there. You can, you can see a foul. You can have an official from the booth that's seeing things the way that we're seeing it. Right. And so then he can report that down to the field and generate a call. And so I think, you know, that ends up being, an ideal situation, you know, and uh, it's one that I just, I don't know if the league is ready to commit the resources, the time, the effort or whatever it is into that. Yeah. And looking then uh, at the play, uh, at the actual players and and the teams in this game, you know, we always say that games are won in the trenches. um, And that was very important as well for even the game last week between the Eagles and and the 49ers. The the Eagles on both sides of the ball, their O-line, their D-line dominated, which um, obviously helped them win that game. I look, I, when I see this game, I think back to 2021, when the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs had a banged O-line. Mahomes was injured actually for that game. I think he had turf toe for that as well and now he's in this he still has the high ankle sprain he seemed okay but we don't know really how how damaged his ankle is and they're coming up against obviously this dominating defense you know i think four of their defensive linemen had over 10 sacks in the in each in the season but they've invested in this o-line now like obviously drafting creed humphrey 
you know, signing Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney. So they've recognized that they're going to have to invest in the O-line, obviously maybe sacrificing, like getting rid of players like Tyreek Hill and, and having to let him go. Where How important is this uh, O-line, D-line, especially for the, the Chiefs O-line, the, the Eagles D-line going to be important on Sunday? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's where the game's going to be won and lost. Um, I think the Eagles have a lot more speed off the edge than the Bengals did, and therefore I think that they're going to force the Chiefs to be a little bit more uncomfortable than the Bengals. I mean, Hassan Reddick basically won that game for them, uh, the conference championship game against San Francisco. He hurt Brock Purdy, and then I think on the next play, pushed them back like another 10 or 15 yards um, on their next drive uh, with a huge sack. And so – I think combined with some, you know, Indomitian and Sue, Linville, Joseph, Flesher Cox, all of their pocket pushers, they're going to give Patrick Mahomes all he can handle. Mahomes is going to have more time to rest the ankle, but high ankle sprain is a high ankle sprain, right? It's going to hurt for four to six weeks. And that's that, you know, th there's not a whole lot that you can do to change that. And so it'll be a lot about Mahomes' pain tolerance, but I don't know how you scheme up a lot of protection. Like I think there was a lot of just criticism of Andy Reid the year that they lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, and he didn't give Mahomes any help in the backfield. There was no um, second tight end. There was nobody chipping anybody. And so I think it's one of those situations where, you know, is, is this the same kind of thing? You want to walk into a situation and, and not protect your guy back there. Mm. Connor, we saw as well in the championship, in the conference championship game as well, a little bit of an uptick, uptick in Pacheco's receiving yards and receptions in the game. Was that, down to you think just a scheme against uh, the Bengals was it to do with Mahomes's ankle or was it an extra wrinkle brought in ahead of this game against the Eagles just to give them something extra to think about coming out of the backfield I think Mahomes has really liked throwing to his backs especially over the second half of the season it really just helps when when you're the kind of quarterback who likes to extend the play with your legs and then you don't have Tyree Kill the running back is just a nice option to have there as a check down. And when you have McKinnon and now Pacheco, who is becoming a more comfortable ball carrier, I mean, you look at all the success San Francisco's had, how many of their passes are just two or three yard check downs to running backs and wide receivers. And sometimes it's like, why are we overcomplicating this? You know, why aren't we just getting the ball to our, to our best athletes and Pacheco especially can wear a defense down that, that physicality, you know, uh, compounded over the course of two quarters is going to make a big difference. Yeah, I really like Pacheco. I think he's just a—he's actually a really, really good running back for that Chiefs team. Um, Connor, do you think that this the Mahomes ankle injury is going to really affect him? I know he was kind of removed from the um, the injury report. I think prior to the Bengals game, but this this um, Eagles D line is a bit more fierce than than what the Bengals D line is. I I mean I think it can't not affect him, right? I mean he's human. And, you know, maybe he's going to have pain tolerance uh, that's higher than the average person, you know, whatever. Maybe he gets a pain injection before the game. But, you know, I, high ankle sprains are, are what they are. You know, it's a, it, in, and some of us do tolerate pain better than others. We saw Patrick Mahomes go on the run to set up a, a win against the Bengals. So I think he's capable of doing it. It's just, you know, can the Eagles force him to do it over and over and over again to the point where it becomes untenable? Yeah. On the 49 or not the 49 or sorry, the Eagles side of things and their offense. Um obviously they are quite a run heavy offense. And the the Chiefs, especially in the AFC championship game, 
stopped the run quite well against the Bengals. Joe Bur- or Joe Burrow himself, or even Joe Mixon, didn't really get many yards. And this Eagles offense, with the the amount of weapons it has, if it is Miles Sanders or Ken uh, Gainwell or even Boston Scott, they can't get the run going. They have these such these dangerous weapons in AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and that uh, that is Goddard. You know, especially with this sort of you know youngish uh, backfield that the Chiefs have at the moment, it, it, it is definitely a matchup to watch. Yeah, and I think what helps the Eagles is obviously, you know, having Hurts as part of that running game, and it changes the equation. I'm interested to see what the Chiefs try to do with Chris Jones because to me that's – he's really their only option to stopping everything. If Chris Jones has a good game, I think the Chiefs have a better chance of winning. I slightly favor the Eagles at this point because – I think that offensive line can handle anything you throw at it. And if you try to stick Chris Jones in the middle, I've seen Jason Kelsey take care of Dexter Lawrence pretty easily on his own. You know, Chris Jones, is he that much better than Dexter Lawrence? You know, probably not. You know, I think Jason Kelsey can handle him with some help from his guards. You try to stick him on the outside. You know, Lane Johnson held Nick Bosa to no quarterback hits last week. And so he's playing the best football he's played all year, despite his own injuries. So, I think that offensive line is such an equalizer. And if you can take Chris Jones out of a play, you're going to be able to run the ball against the Chiefs. Uh, The Bengals just didn't have the offensive line to do that. Hmm. Connor, do you think the back end of this Eagles defense is also going to be very important? They've played very well this season, but I think a criticism that has been leveled at them, if you could level a criticism, is that maybe they haven't always been tested to the max certainly in the in the conference championship game they never really got out of third gear and didn't really have to get out of third gear but they have played well how, how have you assessed the back end of that defense i think it's a really talented defense i think it's a really experienced defense and when you're playing that fangio style kind of umbrella defense you know there's a lot of things that you don't have to worry about that you would have previously you know and i don't think patrick mahomes is going to break one of these big classic Mahomesian 60 or 70 yard throws. It's going to be a lot of dealing with Kelsey. It's going to be a lot of the intermediate stuff and how well they tackle. Um, but I, and, and I think that style of defense helps your backs out a lot. It saves them from getting burned and, uh, and saves them from having no safety help. And so all that said, you know, I don't know if there's anybody necessarily on the chiefs that's going to, you know, blow the doors off of them because the Bengals are the best receiving core in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Connor, um, you just mentioned that the the receiver cores there on the um, let's say on the Chiefs here, but we we know that there's a few injuries now that just came out of that Bengals game. Michael Hardman is I don't think he's looking too good. Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith Schuster also came out with some injuries. So, what what do you do in that situation when your receivers are not 100? You can't 100 rely on Travis Kelsey. Well, it's going to be tough, but I think that was their plan all along this year was to develop a deeper core of receivers. I think Mahomes was just too dependent on Tyreek and, and Kelsey for so long, but how could you not be? Cause they're always open. But I think this forced him to become a better quarterback and to throw guys open. Uh, and now you're seeing guys like even like Justin, Justin Walter, or, you know, some of these guys who are your third, fourth, fifth string guys are catching big touchdowns this year, catching big uh, first down passes because he's developed that sky Moore had a big game last week and I could see them using him, out of the backfield in the slot, a lot of places like that, just to kind of open up the defense too. I think he's hitting his stride a little bit. Excellent. And look, last question we have to ask you, who are you going for? 
Oh, this is gonna be a tough one. I, I have the Eagles by a point. I think I think I like them 31-30. I think they get out to a hot start. Um, their first and second drives, especially their scripted drives, are so good. Um, and uh, you know, that offensive line is just gonna be really juiced. They're health, they're healthy as they're gonna be, right? And so um, you know, I think they get out to a fast start, and as long as they can hold off that uh, that Mahomes rally, I, th- I think they're going to win. Um, you know, I, and again, yeah, they haven't been tested like the Chiefs have been tested, but the Eagles are really good. They're really, really talented. Excellent. Listen, Connor, we really appreciate the time. Um, I, I forgot to ask you, heading out for the game on Sunday. Uh, I'm leaving on uh, Monday morning, and uh, so I'm touching down there like sometime around Monday afternoon. And uh, yeah, we'll be there all week. I can't wait. Very excited. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Um, Annie, you recording an episode of the podcast out there? Yeah, we'll do. We're gonna do like prop bets on Monday, which will be fun. Um, and then at some point on Sunday, we will record the podcast. Um, we're done writing, so we'll probably start recording at like 7 a.m. after the game. Stay up all night working, and then we'll record the podcast, and then we'll sleep on our flights home. <laughs> Connor, one so, quick uh, question there. Um, and during the offseason, is it possible we might get a Connor Gary Gramlin appearance on the Under Center podcast? Anytime. Anytime. I don't know how Irish Gary is, I'm going to ask, but he's, uh, I'm sure he would. Uh, we I'm got sure in. We- it. We got in a lot of family trees there, so I'm sure there's some Irish in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Excellent. Connor, we really appreciate your time again. Um, thanks so much. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you for sure in the offseason. For sure. Thanks, guys.